Hey everybody, welcome back to the Witten Whiskey Cast. Uh, we're here to talk about an awesome topic this week, but before we get to it, uh, I'm here with Mark Rossetti, my usual co-host, but also the third silent member of the Witten Whiskey Cast has joined us again. Say hi, Nuno. Hello everyone, guess who's back. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> We're very excited to have you back, Nuno. I've been eagerly awaiting this episode. It's it's a topic near and dear to Nuno's and I's heart. And I just cannot wait to just. I mean, I I'm going to be a fan. Just I I cannot wait for the in, utter insanity, the shit show that's going to go on. Mm. I've been walking around. I have like a bell from like a boxing ring. I've just been ringing it all day just to get ready. <laughs> But, um, Before we get going, I do want to say I find it really funny to hear my old name because when I was on this show last year, I still hadn't started my new job yet. And ever since then, I've been going by my middle name and I've been meeting new people under my middle name and stuff. So it's pretty freaky to hear Nuno again. But in a way, it's kind of cool because you guys, you know, use my music on your show and I published that music under my old name. So it does make sense. Yeah, it, it's been a trip for years. I I use the name Daniel at work, and everybody outside of work knows me as DJ. So it, it's kind of like that scenario. Yeah, it takes some getting used to. Well, I remember the last time I was here, I kept calling you Dan on this show by accident. I kept forgetting that on here you go by DJ. But I'll try to keep that in mind. Oh, it's forward. all good. It, it's kind of a fun cross-section when, when not work people and work people meet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But before we get to uh, any cool topics or any whiskey, uh, w- which guys been up to? Uh, Mark, why don't you kick us off? Oh Jesus! Uh, since the last time we talked, it's just it's been a lot of meetings. Um, basically, everything after the holidays has hit hard. You know, everything is virtual again with the surge and whatnot, which is fine. I mean, I'm I'm not against that. In a lot of ways, it's it's easier. Uh, but people least around here seem to think that because something's virtual that means you could like stack and double book and like sure you could have a zoom meeting at four o'clock and then one at five and then one at six fifteen. yeah that's fine <laughs> uh so you know it's an adjustment getting back but we'll we'll survive we'll make do uh i'm, I'm core shopping again because that's what i do <laughs> and it's it's just it's frustrating the way people play the games and, you know, you, you call these different places and you find things and it's like, Oh, that's on consignment. Oh, <laughs> just that's, that's my word of advice. One day DJ and I will do a whole like insider tricks of the trade for uh, car lots. But if you ever hear some, at least with a car anyway, if you ever hear something's on consignment, just walk away. It's not worth the hassle. <laughs> What about you, Mr. Nuno, sir? Uh, what have I been up to? Um, yeah. Class the place up a little bit. <laughs> uh, well, would it be appropriate to plug my new book that I have out now? Heck like yeah. I did yes. with my one from last year? Yeah, so since I was on here last time, I have come out with a new book now called Real Enough, 40 Short Stories and Poems. That's also up on Amazon. So... I'm recording this in my library, and I'm looking at a copy of that book right now. Um, oh, nice. So sh- shameless plug for our third brother here. We are uh, definitely going to include a link to that book in, in our show notes this week. So uh, keep an eye out on that. Hopefully we can get some new readers for you, Nuno. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, but yeah, since then, I've just been like starting to write other stuff, though. That's, that's pretty much it. 
Nice. Since last time we chatted, you uh, you got a new job. How's that? How's that working out for you? Good. Good. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Uh, as for me, I just got off of a three day binge of having no furnace in my house. So, yikes. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, all right. You, you need to explain uh, this because yeah. uh, I'll, I'll act as the audience surrogate because I honestly don't know what happened. I was just getting these, these very weird, <laughs> cryptic texts um like you were writing a journal for people to discover you and your wife's frozen corpse uh no no i have them all saved uh you know as if holly wouldn't have just killed you and eaten you to survive after like five like days that movie alive <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah no so um i had some fun with it in the group chat because i was loopy and didn't sleep much this weekend but uh, no, we, uh, Friday morning I woke up and, and, uh, our temperature in the house was 10 degrees cooler than it should have been. And, uh, I went down and my, my furnace was just, it just was, it, it just, it just couldn't anymore. It was the, the old furnace that, that could, and it just couldn't. <laughs> so we, uh, we called the local, you know, emergency HVAC people and, they came out that day and I, I was like, this is what happened. And this is thing, you know, this is when we got inspected last. And he took one look at it and felt it and was like, yep, your murder, your motor, your murder, your motor, <laughs> your murder, <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> yeah. Your, your motor murdered itself. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, yeah, that's about, you know, usually about 1200 bucks to fix. And I'm like, I mean, it's not great, but. I mean, it's better than, do I have to replace Freezing. the whole furnace? And, and he's like, no, um, but I'm not sure if I can get you one. So he went out to his car for like 15 minutes and then came back and was like, yeah. So I ordered one for you next day air, but it's likely not going to be here till Monday. And this was, you know, Friday afternoon. And I was like, okay, um, we kind of need heat to live. And he's like, yeah, well, you still have power. I was like, uh-huh. And he's like, well, maybe go buy some of those electric heaters. I hear they're pretty good. And I was like, okay. So we, you know, did some research and we went out, we grabbed, um, you know, two of those like tower ceramic heaters yeah, and, uh, two smaller ceramic ones that were like little fans. And we just spent the whole weekend, like strategically moving them around the house and blocking off different rooms that didn't need it and setting our faucets to drip and, you know, making sure we ran the, the dishwasher and the washing machine regularly. So those pipes didn't freeze. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I basically, I was up at least twice a night to run around and flush toilets to make sure those didn't freeze. So yeah, it was just a lot of uh, insanity this weekend, but we, we managed to like keep the heat up. We managed to not have any pipes freeze. And then they came, uh, on Sunday, Monday, they came Monday afternoon and we're like, you know, it's going to be freezing tonight. We're just going to make this repair now. And I was like, okay, it sounds great. So luckily they had gotten the motor in. It took the guy like 15 minutes to fix our furnace <laughs> with a new motor. Um, and yeah, everything's purring now, but it, it was a it was a trying weekend. What the shit? I would have I would have snapped. I uh yeah, I he got there and I was like, I just had this inspected in October, and he's like, Yep. And I, I like shook my head and I was like, Is that is this something that would have gotten caught by inspection? He's like, Nope. 
they just die. And I was like, that's cool. That's really cool to know. Damn. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but the old man always is saying anything mechanical can break. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pretty true, unfortunately. It, yeah. It, it's like a uh, it, it's like that phrase we have in IT of like, you know, software will always grow and hardware will always break. Yeah. Did you save the world yet, by the way? Like, are, are, are we are we saved from the alien invaders? Dear God, no. <laughs> Maybe uh, next week. <laughs> Check again see. next week. You know, I think I think it's already happening, though, because I think the algorithms are already starting to change. Are they? Because, well, you know, this isn't just a uh, vanity project for me. I enjoy podcasting as a genre. So I listen to quite a few on a weekly basis, usually when I'm in the shower because I got the Bluetooth speaker, the whole nine yards. And, you know, the ads are based on all kinds of data they can mine from you, you know, what you shop for, what you like your geographic region, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, lately, I've been getting ads to protect my crypto because mm. I have so much cryptocurrency. <laughs> Got literally dozens of it. Uh, I'm just going to stop this topic <laughs> here. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we may do a lot of different Buckwild topics on this podcast. <laughs> we will never do an episode on crypto. I'm just going to make that statement now. So you need to save the world so I can start getting, like, the normal commercials that I get during my podcast. Right? <laughs> hey, Mark, what are you drinking? Well, uh, I am tasting the well today, but not in a way that we normally do. I'm not here to poke fun at it. Uh, and this was sort of a uh, challenge, if you will. Okay. I got this bottle two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I saw... Uh, a buddy of mine, uh, the good father Jack, who is neither a priest nor is named Jack, uh, which is funny because that whole sentence is true. Uh, but Father Jack came over uh, to enjoy some pizza and football, as he normally does. And he said, I haven't seen you since your birthday. And I said, oh, Jesus, it's been that long. And he said, well, I brought you a present. And he pulled out a bottle of Rebel Kentucky Straight Bourbon. Huh. And he says to me, you know, you drink a lot of this fancy stuff. I want you to try this. He said, it's cheap. He didn't say how much, but he said, it's cheap. But I think it hangs with Maker's Mark. Now, that's a bold fucking statement. Huh. So I said, okay. I said, I'll review it on the podcast. And that's what I'm going to do today. Now, in doing a little research, Rebel apparently at one point was Rebel Yell. And I do remember in high school and college there being a really bad plastic bottle bourbon named Rebel Yell. Yeah. If this is the same, they have upped their game. Let me tell you. Uh, it's a glass bottle now. It has a much better label. Uh, they've gotten rid of any Civil War connotations for good or for bad. Uh, the price is still like 18 bucks, 20 bucks for a fifth. But I have to tell you, now, to start out, I love Father Jack. He's one of my dearest friends. It doesn't hang with Maker's Mark. <laughs> but... It's good. If I gave you some of this in an unmarked glass and said, drink this, you would not believe me that it is what I'm telling you it is. Uh, it's 40% alcohol by volume. I was not able to get the mash bill, unfortunately, but it has a nice light caramel color. It's pretty easy on the nose. It's kind of sweet. It's a little bit of honey, almost like a buttery sensation you get from it. And then you get nice bit of spice right on the beginning when you taste it more honey 
uh, it's sort of creamy almost. And then you get a nice burn. I guess the cream is kind of like a vanilla ish. And then you get like a nice burn mm. and it finishes spicy. Uh, but it's good. This is what I would absolutely say would be your absolutely daily driver. I, if I've ever had a better bottle of whiskey for under 20 bucks, I can't remember. Yeah. And that's the honest to God's truth. Um, this is good shit. Look for it. Uh, and, you know, don't be ashamed. Sometimes not only do we need to taste the well, sometimes we need to embrace the well. Damn, and I think Mark. this is one of those. I think this is one of those times. This is the first time you I said, usually we play these up for laughs. But I was genuinely surprised. He, he came to me and he said, I want you to go into this with an open mind. And I did. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say it's, you know, like a 10 out of 10 whiskey of the year. But it's a solid six and a half out of, or a seven easily. Damn, that, I, I love that. that sometimes you, you have to embrace the well. Embrace the well. <laughs> That's going to be the new T-shirt. It is. Embrace Once we get well. T-shirts. <laughs> All right, what about you? What are you drinking? Uh, well, I made myself a, uh, a cocktail tonight because uh, I froze my ass off all weekend and wanted a hot drink. So okay. uh, I am drinking a, a cold brew Irish coffee float. Uh, so I, I go he- on, <laughs> I, I heated up, uh, some cold brew I made at home. Um, and I threw in a couple ounces of Bailey's and an ounce of, uh, Jameson cold brew. Uh, and then I poured it into a cup over two scoops of ice cream, uh, and did a bunch of chocolate shavings on top. And it's basically candy. It's delicious. Uh, so I highly yeah. recommend it. Um, that the ratio is six ounces of coffee to two ounces Bailey's to one ounce of whiskey. Uh, and then, you know, whatever you want to do for ice cream. Uh, it, it's very good. Uh, it's very drinkable. Uh, what kind of ice cream did you use? Uh, my own homemade vanilla ice cream because we bougie. You fucking try hard. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's very tasty. I, I was just going to make an Irish coffee, but I did not have any ingredients to make uh, whipped cream. So I just went with vanilla ice cream instead. That's fair. Uh, but it's very good. So an Irish coffee float, uh, it, it's definitely tasty. Um, I'm probably going to do a couple more cocktails this season just because I've got some interesting liqueurs I want to try out on all of you. So uh, Mark's going to be stuck drinking actual whiskey for the, the rest of the season. Oh, mm-hmm. no. Wait, hang on. Uh, I'm just... Oh, Nuno, do you hear that? That's just the sound of my heart breaking. <laughs> Not... Oh, God. <laughs> uh, what about you, Nuno? Are you uh, drinking anything interesting tonight? Uh, well, as you guys know, and for those of you listening who remember when I was on here last time, I drink tea, like, all the time. <laughs> uh, I don't drink drink that often. Uh, unfortunately, I forgot to make myself some tea for this. But earlier, I was drinking uh, this peppermint tea that I got in a box as a Christmas gift. Uh, it's pretty good. Nice. It's like it has like a Peter Pan theme to it. Like every tea wrapper has like a different Peter Pan character on it. I forget the name of the brand. I don't have the box on me right now. But That's that was awesome. the last thing I was drinking. Nice. I can dig it. All right, Mark, I'm fascinated by these question marks. Talk to me about whiskey news. (laughs) Now, this isn't news as such, and I generally don't like to plug other websites and their articles, especially when we just did another one for Christmas with 
um, you know, whiskey gifts, but I saw this headline and I, I had to. <laughs> these these are the seven best smoky whiskeys for sipping. And you're sitting there going, all right, what's the punchline? And immediately below it, these toasty bottles are absolutely positively packed to the gills with peat. So here we go. The seven peatiest whiskeys you could buy out there today. Just for you, DJ. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're starting off with Ardberg 10-year-old. Uh, it's a single malt Islay scotch, so it's good and smoky. I like stuff from the Isle of Islay. Uh, it's about $62 a bottle. And uh, apparently right on the nose, you get a major dose of peaty flavor. Uh, secondly, we have uh, the Alfred Girard French malt whiskey, Harmone. So, uh, you know, scotch is already really the best. This is basically a French version of scotch. It's a French single malt. Uh, they use American oak and old cognac casks uh, to get with to blend in the smoke with the peat. Uh, this one's a little pricey. It's $190 a bottle. But, you know, hey. Uh, oh, God. What's the name of that one I can never say? Lapareg? DJ, uh, help a brother out Lafroy? here. Lafroig. There you go. So Lafroig has a 10-year-old single malt Islay. Again, we're back on the Isle of Islay. This is the way you want to go. Uh, it's good and smoky. You get some note. According to this, you actually get notes of seaweed, smoked seaweed. So I'm oh. kind of intrigued for that one. Uh, that's only $60 a bottle. Uh, then we're going to move over to Japan. And I'm going to butcher this, and I apologize to all of our fans in Japan. The uh, Nika Yochi single malt, uh, which again, I believe this is one of those distilleries that actually imports the Scottish water over to Japan. There's a couple that do this, uh, but they've been distilling since 1934 in Hokkaido. Uh, this is awarded consistently the smokiest whiskey in all of Japan, thanks to a directly cold-fired distillation process. They actually just smoke it right over the coal. Uh, that's $105 a bottle, though, so we're going high-end. Uh, and now we have, what, two more here. We'll save that one for last. Compass Box, this is the one I was going to buy. I'm gonna If they can get this on Caskers, I'm going to get this one for you. All right. Compass Box, and this brew is just called The Peat Monster. Oh, my God. <laughs> Please don't. It, it is a blend from Islay, the Isle of Mole, and the Highlands that makes the absolute most of all of its smoky notes. And that's $68 a bottle. And then last but not least, we have, oh, dear Lord above, Brooch Lattich Octomore 11.3. You're going to get so many tweets, Mark. <laughs> we're going to get all hate things. Send all your hate tweets to me. I'm a Dago. I don't speak Scottish. Um. <laughs> uh, but this is uh, what they call their first super heavily peated whiskey. Their words, not mine. Each variation plays with the rules, crafting a unique bottling with a through line and, of course, bringing the smoke. That's right from their press release. Uh, all, of the, all of the barley for each barrel is grown from a single field on a specific farm in Islay. So not only do you get all the information on the bottle for the barrel and the aging and everything, you actually get the coordinates of where the hell the field is that they grew your barley. Uh, you know, problem you, is, 
It's three hundred dollars a bottle. You, you know you can make smoky whiskey without burning dirt, right? I mean, hey, I just want you to embrace your, you know, your closeted love of peat and of the dirty bog water. So those are the best. Uh, some of them are a wee bit out of my price range, but the peat monster for sixty-eight bucks. I'm gonna look on Caskers, and that might just show up. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah. I'm never coming out of the peat closet. <laughs> So there's our uh, abbreviated whiskey news, a.k.a. I want to annoy DJ. The peatiest whiskeys you could buy on the market right now. <laughs> what about you? What are we doing for tools of the trade? Well, I think with our topic today, I, I thought it would be really interesting to do a little bit of research into uh, alcohol and space flight. I mean, I would imagine they don't mix. Uh, no. So, uh, Same here. <laughs> by, by and large, uh, alcoholic drinks are banned during space flight. Um, but there have been some ways of getting around it. It's been a, uh, allowed in small, uh, it, small ways, or maybe not allowed, but snuck on board in interesting ways. Um, so to start off with, astronauts and cosmonauts are completely restricted restricted from being intox intoxicated at launch. Woof! I have not drank that much tonight. I promise. <laughs> are you sure about that? Yes. Um, but uh, some things uh, are just they just don't make sense in in zero gravity, right? Beer, champagne, car other carbonated drinks are not suitable for space flight. Um, as, and I quote, the bubbles cause wet burps. Which, yeah, that would be a problem. Yeah. Um, also, uh, uh, you can't get a foamy head on a beer in zero gravity because the bubbles don't rise. Hmm. Um, but there's been That's some interesting, th there's been yeah. some interesting iterations of alcohol over the years in space. Uh, on Apollo 11, Buzz Aldrin drank some wine when he took communion while on the moon in the lunar module, the Eagle. Uh, the ceremony was not broadcast because there was a lot of um, cry out against the separation between church and state, so they didn't include it as part of any of the broadcasts. Uh, in the 70s, uh, NASA's Charles Borland... Uh, planned to send some sherry with the astronauts visiting Skylab, but they ultimately scrapped it because the smell was found to induce a gag reflex and zero-gravity flight tests. So they didn't do it. Um, alcohol, full stop, is banned aboard the International Space Station because it can have a real negative impact on the environmental control and life support systems. Mm. Uh in 1985, NASA uh, published a report on extended space flight predicting that alcohol would be missed, though, um, but that on extended space flights, it might behoove them to send alcohol uh, to be um, cracked into once there are stable settlements. So that's kind of an interesting report. Mm. Uh, the other major space agency is Russian, and... Uh, they have officially banned drinking in spaceflight on the Russian, you know, whole space thing. Um, 
but the first alcoholic drink sent into space by Russian cosmonauts was a bottle of cognac in 1984 to the Salute 7. It wasn't vodka? I was about nope. to ask the same thing. <laughs> no, it was con- uh, it was cognac. Uh, the, the cosmonaut Igor Volk said that he and the other cosmonauts would lose weight and hide alcohol in their spacesuit or hide bottles inside book covers. And another cosmonaut, Georgi Grechko, uh, discussed the difficulties of drinking in space as the liquid and air would mix to form froth. Ew. Yeah. Mm. Um, cosmonauts aboard the Mir space station were allowed alcoholic drinks, including cognac, vodka, and ginseng liqueur, supposedly for health reasons. Um, and this was uh, kind of revealed in comments uh, back in 2010. And that uh, various bottles of cognac would be hidden behind... Uh, panels on Mir. Um, American astronauts on Mir watched while their Russian colleagues drank. NASA tried to block the release of photographs of, of a 1997 cognac party aboard Mir, um, but they got leaked to NBC News uh, via Freedom of Information. Um, ultimately, in 2006, that there was a proposal to lift the ban on drinking on the ISS, um, but, uh, if they do ever lift that ban, champagne will still be regarded as way too dangerous for fairly obvious reasons. Um, and currently crew care packages for the ISS, uh, cannot contain any alcohol, including aftershave or mouthwash. So some, some interesting, uh, things in there. Uh, in 2015, a 3D printed plastic whiskey glass was designed for space flight, uh, and whiskey was sent to the ISS for four years to study the effects on its flavor. Um, there was a... Here, you can't drink this. Just put it over there and look at it. Yeah. And then we're going to send it back to Earth in four years and drink it for you. <laughs> um, a beer company sponsored a graduate student's research into brewing beer in space. And uh, another... Uh, planned, uh, there was another planned uh, research sponsored in 2017 on the ISS, but ultimately I think it was scrapped because um, you kind of need gravity to make alcohol. Uh, conventional distillation is essentially impossible in zero gravity, and you would need a crazy volume of liquid to be able to do it in zero G. So uh, that is, in a nutshell, the history of alcohol in space so far. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, tools of the trade. Uh, zero, G, zero G alcohol. Make your cocktails great. I do wonder if, you know, if they have any on those uh, quasi-space flights that everybody's doing, Branson and Musk and Bezos. I wonder yeah. if they're bringing anything on those. I wouldn't be surprised if so. I mean, I don't know how you toast somebody in space, Mark. I'm not saying it works well. I'm just <laughs> saying they probably have like some kind of. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, it'd be tricky. But yeah, with those like crazy rich people, you never know. I mean, hell, uh, Mark Watney in The Martian had uh, nothing but potatoes and he didn't actually stop to distill vodka. That was a damn good movie. 
Uh, also a very good book. Good book, yeah. One of my yeah. favorite books, too, yeah. Uh, I'm, I am I mean, shameless plug, not that he needs it, but Mark Weir's uh, latest book, Project Hail Mary, is what I'm listening to in, uh, as an audiobook right now, and it's really good. Nice. Highly recommend it. But anywho, that brings us to our amazing topic, which is that that is a great segue, though, because I was completely out of the loop on all that. So we're getting we're getting in, in business here. I yeah. could be out of the loop on the topic. So we're starting early. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it does bring us to our topic, which is Star Wars. Da, da, da. Yeah. So. All, right, all right, boys, <laughs> I want a good, clean fight. <laughs> I want everything above the waistline. Here we go. We're going to war. <laughs> Um, for those of you who've been living under a rock for the last 50 years, uh, Star Wars is a, wow. <laughs> is a multimedia franchise uh, started off uh, as film, uh, but technically the, the, the book adaptation Correct. of the first movie was released, I believe, six months before the first yep. movie. Yeah, on a technicality, yeah. Yeah. Because the movie was supposed to come out in December 76 and got delayed, but the publishers accidentally still released the book on, yeah. on schedule, yeah, on the original date. Uh, which I did read the book. Uh, I read the, the original trilogy as a kid as part of my, you know, being a sci-fi nerd. And uh, the books are decently different from the movies. Which very is, different, yeah, very it's, different. it's really interesting. Yeah, and actually some people... Speculate that the book accidentally coming out six months early might have helped to spread word about the movie, and it might have helped to you know with like the opening weekend box office and everything like that. That's awesome. Yep. Are you saying we have a genuine conspiracy on our hands? That I am. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Star Wars is uh, essentially, and, and Nuno can disagree with me. It's uh, space ninjas with laser swords. I don't disagree. Um, so Star Wars started, uh, back in the seventies, uh, with the, uh, what, what is affectionately referred to as the original trilogy. Uh, so the, uh, the movies were produced out of order in the story. So there's an original trilogy, a prequel trilogy, a sequel trilogy, and then there's, uh, anthology films as well. Um, so let's get all the film facts out of the way. So the original trilogy, uh, first movie was known as Episode 4, uh, which was later subtitled to A New Hope. Uh, the official U.S. release dates, I'm just going to do U.S. release dates across the board here. That was uh, May 25th, 1977. So that gives us that six months after the, uh, the, the release of the book. Uh, episode five, The Empire Strikes Back, was released in May of 1980. And then episode six, Return of the Jedi, was released three years later in May of 1983. Uh, then we had a nice long wait until 1999, where we got episode one, The Phantom Menace. Uh, episode two, Attack of the Clones, was May of 2002. And episode three, Revenge of the Sith, was... Uh, May of 2005. Uh, episodes one through three comprise what is known as the prequel trilogy. It also uh, is the last time we see George Lucas have a heavy hand in the Star Wars series. Yep. Uh, and then we fast forward another uh, 10 plus years, all the way to 2015, where we get episode seven, The Force Awakens. 2017 with episode 8, The Last Jedi, 
and 2019 with episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker, uh, which is bundled together and known as the sequel trilogy. Uh, All nine of those episodes comprise what is known as the Skywalker saga. Uh, And there are a crazy amount of multimedia things. There's uh, a lot of books, a lot of comic books. There's straight to TV movies. Uh, There are also anthology films. So in 2016, we got Rogue One, which fleshes out uh, some story shortly before A New Hope. Uh, We also get Solo in 2018, which fleshes out the backstory of Han Solo. And uh, TBA basically is uh, the film Rogue Squadron. Um, Uh, December 2023, I believe, unless they've delayed it. Nice. I thought they canceled it. Well, it, it was canceled, and then it was back on. Apparently, they had a brief falling out with the director, Patty Jenkins, and then, like, literally the next day, they patched things up with her. Well, that's good, because that, that might actually get me to break my no Star Wars uh, reasoning, because, we'll, well, we'll talk about that when we get to the expanded universe. But yeah, I, you... I was actually looking forward to Rogue Squad, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's canceled. And I was like, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you never know. It might get canceled again. These days, it's, it's like things change on a day-to-day basis. It probably will, because it would bring me happiness, so they won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, from there, there's a lot of animated series. Um, yeah. uh, th- there's so much here to th- that I'm just going to kind of jump through a bunch of these really quick. Um, there's the Clone Wars series uh, that it covers quite a bit. There's seven seasons across 12 years of, of animation. Um, it jumped from Cartoon Network to Netflix to Disney Plus, uh, seven full seasons, um, fleshing out the, uh, the time around episode two. Uh, then uh, we also got the series Rebels, which is one of my personal favorites. Four seasons, 75 episodes from 2014 and 2018. Uh, there's also uh, Resistance, which is 2018 to 2020. Uh, we just got The Bad Batch and Visions uh, last year. Yep. Uh, I, which I'm going to talk about Visions because I think it's probably one of my favorite Star Wars things of all times. Um, there's also some, some micro-series. Uh, there was a Clone Wars micro-series. Uh, there is a Galaxy of Adventures and Forces of Destiny and all sorts of fun uh, things there. Uh, and then we get into the new live-action Disney Plus-averse uh, shows, uh, we, which started with The Mandalorian in 2019, uh, continued with The Book of Boba Fett, and then I believe we're getting... Sometime this year, I think Ahsoka. Obi Wan is next. Obi-Wan the Obi Wan show is next. Yep. Yeah. And then we're also getting Ahsoka at some point too. Twenty twenty three, as <sighs> of right now. Oh, I want it so bad. Uh, we also got some straight to TV uh, films: The Ewok Adventures and Ewoks: The Battle for Endor. Uh, there's some television specials that we don't talk about, like the Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw a burlesque remake of that. That was very good. I'm just saying. Unfortunate. (laughs) I'll send you the link. Uh, And then in terms of uh, video games, there's a ton of video games in the Star Wars universe. I'm not going to be able to name them all. Uh, Some that come to mind that have been very popular uh, are the uh, Knights of the Old Republic 
uh, games. There's there's one and two. Uh, there was a uh, Old Republic. I don't. I think the Old Republic's still going on in an MMO. It is. Yeah. Um, yep. Uh, the MMO, there, yep. Yeah, there's also the Force Unleashed games. There's some Rogue Squadron. There's racers. There's uh, all sorts of great stuff there. Uh, and most recently, uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, uh, which I think came out two years ago. Yep. Um, and is very good. I highly recommend it. So we're talking about this huge series that if you were even slightly a nerd any time in the last, you know, 30, 40 years, you, you've definitely heard of it. Um, Nuno, uh, what, what do you think? How do we feel about Star Wars? Uh, so I like all of the movies, but I, I don't hate any of the movies, but at the same time, there are things I could nitpick about all the movies. So at this point, I try not to... I mean, yeah, I favor some over others, but um, I, I used to be very judgy about people's opinions on Star Wars, like if people had a different opinion about it than I did. But these days I've learned not to, or at least I've, I'm trying not to be as judgy to other people about it. I think what happened was that when the sequel trilogy came out and I saw everybody, you know, uh, shitting on it and blowing it to pieces, I saw like my bad reflection in the mirror because I... It, that that's how I used to be to prequel fans like back in those days. Yeah. So it, it, it was kind of a wait. That was kind of a wake up call for me. Uh, so, you know, it's like, it's fine. That's it's kind of my current <laughs> consensus on it. You know, it's all fine. <laughs> it's all fine. Yeah. Nuno says, but at least once a week, Nuno and I are talking over text about something Star Wars related. So I assure you it is. It's fine is a laser focus just like mine is. Yeah. No, I definitely have contrarian opinions about it, I'll admit. Uh, on my blog, I wrote a controversial four-part uh, essay about why I think The Empire Strikes Back is a little overrated. And everybody thinks I hate that movie because I wrote that shit. And I don't. I still think very highly of it. I just happen to think it's a little overrated. And um, I don't know. I, re- I think The Last Jedi is really underrated on the flip side of that. Um all kinds of contrarian opinions. I don't like the season two finale of Mandalorian. Everybody else loves it. You know, just, just shit like that. You know? Yeah. Fair. <laughs> uh, Mark, what do, what do you think about star Wars? Get in here. Play in the space. Oh, uh, well, uh, the movies, it was interesting. Cause I don't know when either one of you were introduced to it. I, my father being a uh, practical man, shall we say, is not big into fiction, so I had no idea that the franchise even existed until the uh, special editions came out ah. of the original trilogy. Mm. And my mother was like all excited, and I'm like, what is this? And she's like, oh, you have to go see these movies with me. And so uh, A New Hope was fine. It was pretty cool. Uh, I really liked uh, Empire Strikes Back. I did not like Return of the Jedi, this is kind of like, eh, more of the same. Okay. I'm with you there. Uh, and then, Guess you know, the, pre- <laughs> the, the prequel trilogy came out, and uh, the first one I didn't really like, but pod racing is cool. <laughs> uh, the second one I really didn't like, and there was nothing that really could get me to save face. And then the third one, it took me quite a while. I think I actually watched it on TV. I, I definitely didn't go see it in theaters because by then I was pretty much done with the franchise, at least in uh, audio-visual format anyway. Uh, I did not see any of the 
new movies, not because of any hatred of Disney or any loyalty to George Lucas or anything like that, but they declared my one love of the franchise non-canon. Which is? Which is the expanded universe. <laughs> so you, you went through the entire litany of multimedia and you did not touch on the literal hundreds of novels. Oh, yeah, because it's Legends, Mark. Why would we talk about it? <laughs> yes. Uh, so because of that, I don't know if the new movies are good, bad, or indifferent, but I ain't going to go see them. Because they made my babies non-canon. So, <laughs> uh, but no, when I was in school, junior high, and uh, well, grade school and junior high, we everybody that was a nerd, we all traded the expanded universe novels. Uh, people would buy them two, three at a time. We'd pass them around. We'd read those. The movies were fine. They were what they were. But uh, the novels, uh, the video games, Shadows of the Empire, Rogue Squadron, uh, that was that was our jam. When, when I was growing up anyway. And I have some book recommendations, but we'll get there later. Yeah, that's totally fair. Uh, so my, my opinion here of Star Wars, you know, I, after we've gone through all the facts, is I tend to be someone who I, I enjoy a lively debate about things that I like, but at the end of the day, I like liking things. So I tend to just... Uh, unless, you know, I'm having a good conversation with Nuno or, or Mark and I are yucking it up about the extended universe, I don't tend to think too deeply about it, which, you know, maybe for the best, maybe for the worst. Um, I, Ignorance is bliss, yeah, as they you, say. Yeah, you know, it oftentimes is. Yeah, and it's not necessarily that it's uh, that ignorance is bliss. It's just that I I used to be that guy when I was a lot younger and I used to be really critical of everything and have all those crazy nerd debates. And it wasn't until I got to like college that I was like, Oh wow. I, uh, I have defined myself so long by what I don't like that. I don't like anything anymore. And that, that's not, it's, it's not a fun way to live. So I just stopped doing it. Um, I, I feel like this is something Mark and I touched on very early in the podcast around toxic fandoms. Uh, yes, I, I don't think Star Wars is on there, but Star Wars definitely could have been on that list. Oh, it's arguably the worst fandom of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, like, it, it's the long it's at least the longest running nerd toxic fandom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and while I do, I, I will talk about Star Wars. Nuno knows this about me. Like he, he, he can get me riled up and we can we can debate this for for hours, but. At the end of the day, I'm like, I still love Star Wars. I still like my space ninjas with laser swords. Oh, I forgot to That's mention the card yeah. game. We all played the card game, too. That's another multimedia empire that was there. Nobody actually knew how to play it, because the rule book is like the size of a phone book. Yeah. But we all played the card game at one point, too. Yeah, I think I still have the starter kit for the card game down cellar. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> I still have my Death Star deck because, of course, I played Dark Side. Yeah, of course you did. Mark always plays villains, no matter what it is. They're more interesting. I mean, space Nazis. Come on, it's not. In- they're not. They're one dimensional. That's why they're interesting. It's... They're the contrast to the color. It's no. They're not interesting just because they're they're in contrast. We've had this debate, folks. If you we haven't have. been able to tell. <laughs> Root for the bad guys for once in your life. That's my advice, kids. Though there are some really good bad guys in Star Wars. Uh, it, it, ignoring for a minute Darth Vader, who is easily one of the most infamous 
you know, film villains of all times. Um, Mark, tell me about some of your favorite bad guys. Well, uh, I think the softball you're throwing me is Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yes. <laughs> Which uh, I'm actually not going to talk about the Thrawn trilogy today just because I think that's arguably the extended universe books that everyone knows. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you held a gun to somebody's head and say, name a character from the EU, most people would say Thrawn. And it is because yeah. he's a great fucking character. I, I mean, I'm not knocking it in any stretch of the imagination. All the books are upstairs on my shelf. Uh, but I think what DJ's getting at is that he was not, in many interpretations, he was not a truly evil character. He was a military genius. He was a tactician. He wasn't a force user. He wasn't, you know, this grand Jedi hunter or whatever. He was just a really good general. Mm-hmm. And that was so out of left field at the time that it stuck out. Uh, eventually he got watered down like a lot of the EU, which is the one, the one thing we'll talk about. Cause the EU is not, it's not perfect. Nothing is perfect. No, it is not. And, uh, you know, it's not perfect. So we're, we're not going to yuck any yums about that. And so eventually he did get watered down. I mean, there was, um, I forget that there's a two parter I have upstairs where they had a guy impersonating Spectre Thrawn. And yes. Oh, it's so bad. I, I've heard bad things about it. They're terrible. Don't read them. They're upstairs. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah. So, no, I mean, he he's probably one of the best. Uh, I just liked some of the off-the-hook stuff. I mean, I'm going to talk about the, the Jedi. Well, I guess we can jump in. The first one I'm going to pick is the Jedi Academy trilogy. Mm-hmm. And that had two big bads in it that were kind of interesting. It, you know, it sort of followed the plot of the, you know, splintered empire and the rogue admiral. So in the first book, which was Jedi Search, uh, which they all came out in 1994. So we're going a little bit on the Wayback Machine. Uh, and the – where the hell is her name here? Basically, the, the premise of this is that Luke Skywalker is setting up a Jedi Academy, which stop me if you've heard this in a movie before. <laughs> he's going to start He's going to start training Jedi. And so you have Admiral Dala, who's this you know evil Nazi woman female commander – she has a fleet of star destroyers and she's just raining hell on random neutral planets. That's that's one side quest. Uh, Han Solo and Chewie get captured and taken back to the Kessel Spice Mines and they're slaves. It's a whole other side quest. Uh, and then over the core, you have Jedi Search, you have Dark Apprentice, and then you have Champions of the Force. Those are the three movies. And you start to see some of the traps that the old movies, the new movies, and the books all fall into. Wouldn't you know who won the pony? One of Luke's students goes to the dark side. Huh. Of course he does. Uh, Kip Duran, he goes crazy. And what does he do? He finds this secret base uh, where they have, guess what? Another Death Star. But does he take the third Death Star? No. He takes the ultimate weapon, the greatest Mary Sue ever created in literature, the Sun Crusher. I heard about this. <laughs> It is a one-off ship, basically the size of an X-Wing, that is completely indestructible. I forget what reason they gave for the depleted armor plating that's on it, but it's completely indestructible. At one point in the third book, they actually hit it with the Death Star, and it just shrugs it off like it's nothing. And it has proton torpedoes that you shoot into the sun of a solar system, and it destroys the entire solar system. So now, yes, so now you have... The uh, student of Luke's who's gone to the dark side, who, of course, was the most force adept of any of the students, 
who has this one-off prototype that allegedly not even the emperor knew about. And now you have the empire and the new republic all trying to stop him. While he's being possessed, and this is where I was going with the interesting bad guys, while he's being possessed by Exar Kun, the dark spirit of a Sith Lord long forgotten. Now, interestingly enough, Kun actually apparently was referenced in the Han Solo movie, and he's appeared in a few other Disney products, uh, a few different uh, works and spin-offs and books and things on the Jedi path. So he might pop up again. Yeah, it's interesting comes. that you say that because he he's mainly in the Tales of the Jedi comics from the 90s that take place like 4,000 years before the movies. And yes. I saw a leak that apparently they are developing a Tales of the Jedi animated show. So that uh, that adds up. Yeah. And so he is what basically you find out he's the big hand while well, his force goes to spirit is whatever is the big hand uh, controlling all of this over this three book series. Uh, so it's pretty damn good. I recommend it. Uh, you could usually buy them as a set or as one big chunky trade paperback and they're pretty cheap now because I mean, again, it was 1994, so they're not new. No, I, I, uh, I have them on Kindle cause they're very good. <laughs> uh, Nuno, do you have any favorite star Wars books? Um, I'm not, you know, funny enough, even though I'm a writer, I'm not really much of a reader, especially when it comes to Star Wars books. Um, so I don't really know if I have a favorite, but I will say this uh, just to kind of add my own little unique touch to this conversation. Uh, lately, I've become fascinated with uh, the Star Wars books that existed before the Thrawn trilogy, because a lot of people attribute the Thrawn trilogy to being the beginning of the expanded universe. Uh, yeah. But really, there was a small sliver of books that came out in the late 70s and early 80s uh, during the time when the original trilogy films were being made. And they are very different. And you could tell when you look at them that Star Wars like never had any kind of plan, that they were just always making this <laughs> shit up as they went along and figuring it out on the fly. And so I'm talking books like Splinter of the Mind's Eye and stuff like that. I, do you guys know what that is? No, I think I've read Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I think that's the only one I've read. Okay, so here's the thing. Splinter of the Mind's Eye was originally supposed to be the second movie. That was supposed to be the movie we were originally going to get after A New Hope instead of Empire Strikes Back. (laughs) What happened was they didn't think that A New Hope was really going to make any money at all. They were like hoping they would barely be able to make their budget back at best. So, But George Lucas didn't want to just stop at one movie. So they were already thinking ahead and thinking, like, for the next movie, we're going to go super low budget. It's, like, all going to be set on one planet. It's going to be a very, like, simple story. Not much is going to happen in it. And that became Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Now, lo and behold, New Hope ended up making gazillions of dollars at the box office. So they were like, okay, we don't need this low budget backup script anymore. We could dream big for the second movie. Let's put this out as a book instead. And therefore splinter of the mind's eye happened and that was the first ever star wars book outside of the original like new hope novelization that was the first ever star wars book published that was like a a new story so that was really the beginning of the expanded universe but it is so fucking weird in all the good (laughs) ways and all the bad ways it is basically (laughs) when you read i've read it and you could really tell that star wars was originally just flash gordon reskinned when you read it and you know i've then, like, as, as they got to Empire and stuff, it became something different, for better and for worse, depending on who you ask. Um, and this is kind of where my contrarian opinions come in, because 
given everything we've been through and all the highs and lows of Star Wars, there is a part of me that sometimes wishes they would have stayed more in that goofy Flash Gordon-y route that stuff like Splinter kind of highlighted. Don't get me wrong, Splinter, in execution, it's a shitty book. It has a ton of problems. But, like, if you were to read, like, a plot summary of it on Wikipedia, it, it has, like, this sort of, like, Indiana Jones in space kind of, kind of feel that I really like. Um, I don't know. Just so that's kind of like, you know, the weird little corner of Star Wars that I've been gravitating towards lately. That's awesome. Thanks. I uh, so to, to kind of put my early Star Wars stuff in here, um, I, I think for me, one of my favorite series, which I, this is going to sound silly after I just protested about the villains um, but I really love the Darth Bane trilogy. Have either of you read it? No, but I've heard a lot no. about it, though. I have not read that that one. Uh, the Darth Bane trilogy is uh, set at, like, the height of the Sith Empire's power. Uh, and it's a, a trilogy of Legends books. It's uh, The Path of Destruction, The Rule of Two, and The Dynasty of Evil. And uh, it's the book series that establishes why the Sith have a rule of two. So there's only ever a master and apprentice. Because it literally, it, it's kind of God of War-esque, where uh, Bane starts out in the first book, and by the end of that book, he has slaughtered all of the Sith and ended, ended the Sith Empire. Like, just straight up, like, goes and kills Sith gods. It's, it's buck wild. Um, but I definitely recommend it. Um, I, I've got some, some reading on my list here because I, I feel like I started the Jedi Academy series and never actually finished it. So I'm, I'm definitely going to be going to, to read that. But some other books that I've got on my list are, um, there's a, a fairly recent book called Darth Plagueis. Uh, I don't know if it's considered legends. I, I don't remember when it was. Uh, published, but pretty it, sure it was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they're doing reprints of all the expanded universe books now, including the Bane ones, but, um, they're reprinting them with the land legends banner on top of it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Darth Plagueis is good. Uh, I know the, Ahsoka. I'm pretty sure the Ahsoka book is considered Canon. That one's I, Canon. Yep. Yeah. And I've got that one on my list. So there's that I'm still working my way through it. Um, have either of you gotten into any of the new star Wars comics? Uh, I haven't, uh, read any of them, but, uh, Dr. Aphra sounds interesting. Oh, nice. I have a handful of just single issues upstairs, like the Marvel ones, like mm-hmm. n- nothing, no series, no key issues. Just basically if the cover looks interesting, I'll pick it up when I go to my store. Yeah. Oh wait, I forgot. I've read a couple of the high Republic ones, the newer ones that take place 200 years before the movies. Those are actually kind of interesting. They're different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just read a synopsis yesterday about like what the whole like galactic disaster in that series is about, and that yeah. that was pretty interesting. It's like space pirates and shit. So, yep. um, yeah. So I might be getting into some of that, uh, but I did want to talk about my favorite thing that's come out of like the rebirth of Star Wars, which is Visions. Mm. Uh, Nuno, you and I both watch Visions. Mark, have you seen Visions? No. So Visions is basically, it was basically a massive experiment. Uh, Disney went out to a bunch of very Japanese anime studios and animators and said, hey, want to do an episode of Star Wars that's not connected to anything? And then just kind of let them go nuts. 
So uh, Visions is nine episodes, and there's studios in here like uh, Colorado and Trigger, um, I, you know, Production IG, a, a lot of really, well, I mean, if you're into anime, or a lot of really well-known anime studios. Um, and they're all basically, like, over-the-top ridiculous. If you want to see, like... Th- what I think is the best that Visions has to offer, check out the third episode, which is called The Twins. Um, but it's basically like uh, nine episodes of, hey, how buck wild can we make lightsabers? <laughs> it's like my favorite thing ever. It's really great. Yeah, I think the lightsaber episode is my favorite one of that whole bunch. Of, I mean, all, they were all good. I, I actually really enjoyed that that uh, show as well. Um, that anthology. I'm trying to think which one was my favorite, though. It was either you're, the one you're talking about with all the lightsabers. That's the ninth Jedi, right? The one that takes place like far in the future and all that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that one was pretty interesting with the lightsaber blacksmith. I think right, and then yeah. the girl. And, yeah, and the, I liked that one. I also liked I. Uh, was it called Lop and Ocho with like the bunny girl? Yeah, the, there's a bunny sister. girl who becomes a Jedi in Lop and Ocho. So yeah, Mark, you got to yeah. check it out. It's great. It, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, can't it's imagine. It's not canon. <laughs> no, nothing. Well, of course not. Canon, no. But... <laughs> yeah, of course not. I mean, for the record, I I don't really care about continuity. Like, I like the Last Jedi, but like, if I were to wake up tomorrow and read an article saying like it's not canon anymore, I'd just be like, whatever. You know, like I still have my dvd copy of it and stuff yeah exactly i could you know that that just keeps happening to star wars like things that we loved are not like i i think i don't think the jedi uh what is it the force unleashed games i don't think those are considered canon and i actually really like those games yeah no they don't fit into canon at all anymore because the whole origin of the rebel alliance is completely different in uh the rebels cartoon show yeah yeah um but yeah i so like, what's next for Star Wars, Nuno? Uh, what do you mean? Like, uh, what's what, coming up? What, yeah, what's coming up? You tend to have uh, your finger on it better than I do. Okay, so uh, we've got the Boba Fett show going on now. That's going until February 8th. It'll be seven episodes in total. Episode three comes out tomorrow at the time of this recording. Nice. Uh, the Kenobi show is right after that. Uh, they still haven't given a firm release date yet. It sounds sounds like the either the premiere is going to be on May 4th or the finale will be on May 4th. So it could even come out as early as like late March, early April. That one's going to be six episodes. Um, uh, then the there's a Cassian Andor show coming out in the summer. Uh, I think that one is also going to be six episodes. They filmed 12, but it sounds like what they did was they filmed seasons one and two at the same time. And season two will come out next year. Uh, but, uh, that one, uh, Cassian Andor is a character from the Rogue One anthology movie. He's getting his own like prequel show. Oh, nice. Uh, that's this year. Um, they're filming Mandalorian season three as we speak. I think they were originally aiming to get that out at the very end of this year, but I actually just read today that they had to put filming on hold because of COVID issues. So it looks like we might not see that until 2023. Uh, we have Ahsoka in 2023. Acolyte is another live action show coming out in 2023. That one's apparently takes place during the time of the High Republic. So, I, but I think they said end of High Republic. So that's about 50 to 100 years before Phantom Menace. And I think that's about some Sith apprentice girl. I don't. I don't really know too much about that one. Details on that one are murky. But um, 
Apparently, they say it's going to have, like, kung fu elements to it. So, oh, yes. I don't know. Could be cool. Uh, there's speculation about a Vision Season 2. There's speculation about a Tales of the Jedi animated show. We are getting a Bad Batch Season 2 this summer. Uh, the Rogue Squadron movie, December 2023. Right now, Woo! that's the only movie... Um, Right now, that's the only movie that is, like, stable uh, because there's also, like, Taika Waititi's supposed to be directing a movie at some point, but he keeps taking on other projects, so that's looking less and less likely. Kevin Feige is supposed to be producing a Star Wars movie at some point, but Marvel keeps taking up his schedule, so I don't know what's happening there. Ryan Johnson trilogy, who the fuck knows? Um <laughs> Yeah, so as of right now, Rogue Squadron's the only movie that, like, has a name, has a poster, has a release date. It just everything else, it's like, when it comes to the movie side, it's like, I don't fucking know. But um, on the television show side, it's thriving. And uh, I think it makes sense because Star Wars, really, when you think about it, has always had a better DNA for television. And I think we're finally starting to recognize that because, like I said earlier, it was originally based on Flash Gordon serials and... The thing about those like serialized movies from the 1940s, the kind of stuff that George Lucas grew up on, is that they really have more in common with modern day TV than they do with modern day movies. So it kind of makes sense why stuff like Star Wars and Star Trek always seems to have better luck on the TV side of things. Oh, yeah, there's also a a Lando show, um, but that one they haven't really like uh, had a lot of movement on it recently so i don't know what the status of that is so we'll see what happens there nice i, I think i'm most excited for ahsoka at this point uh Ho- holly and i obsessively binged rebels uh late last year and we're it, it really seems like the ahsoka show is going to continue that storyline in a really awesome way yeah i'm i'm looking forward to the fact that the ahsoka show is basically a spiritual rebels sequel that should be interesting yeah, I really can't wait to see a live-action Sabine Wren. Yeah, yeah, they they recently casted an actress for her and everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. I, I hope that means that we're going to get to see Ezra Bridger by the end of the season. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure we are. Uh, that would be asinine if we don't at this point. It would also be really cool if we got to see a live-action Thrawn. I'm pretty sure we will. <laughs> Which I, would be amazing. They would yeah. be stupid not to. Yeah, I I heard whispers that, not to be a scooper or anything like that, uh, but uh, I heard whispers that uh, it'll the guy who voices him in uh, Rebels, Lars Mikkelsen, will be playing him in live action. So That's so cool. Yep. But yeah, so, I mean, there's so much with Star Wars that you can get into, and however you feel about the prequel trilogy or the sequel trilogy... Um, I, I definitely recommend like, don't sleep on any of the things we mentioned today. You know, there's some really great books out there in the extended universe. Uh, there's some really great TV shows like Nuno's pointing out. Uh, I, I think the, the TV verse that they're building with star Wars is, is easily rivaling Marvel's TV verse right now. So I, I'm, I'm loving it. Which brings me to the one other thing that I wanted to mention to kind of tie up this whole talk on, on a great film franchise, uh, which is just slightly stepping outside of, of Star Wars, but it really it's just one to the right since they're all owned by the same people now. And that is uh, Spider-Man. Um, I, Wait, what? Uh, what so about how are I, you going from X to Y? Yeah, so, yeah, no, no, they're not connected at all, but I know Nuno also has thoughts about this and we don't get them on the show very often. But uh, Nuno, Holly and I were watching 
the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. Yeah. And woof do those do those movies not work the same as the current Marvel movies do. Uh well I have a, same thing with Star Wars. I I have a lot of good and bad things I could say about all the different Spider-Man movies and I do agree that the Sam Raimi movies are a little bit overrated. I mean Nobody likes Spider-Man three. Uh, I think that that one is safe to say. The first two, they are good, and I, I recognize their importance of like you know what they did for the time. You know, kind of uh, trailblazing the superhero movie genre. But yeah, I agree. They they haven't really aged that well. I um, Mary I, Jane sucks in those movies. She's not what you want out of MJ, and. It, have having seen um having seen the the Tom Holland series and have it like well planned out and then going back to watch the Sam Raimi trilogy those movies have pacing issues up the wazoo yeah uh yeah like i said i have uh, uh my fair share of positive and negative things to say about all of them but um uh with the raimi movies my biggest issue really is just mary jane but but also, the fact that like all of Peter Parker's motivations in those movies revolve around Mary Jane, and, yeah, like she doesn't deserve his attention <laughs> to that degree. It's I don't know. It, it's a lot, and and it just yeah. kind of to tie it back to Star Wars. You know, watching some of the prequel trilogy, watching some of the original trilogy after watching some of the newer trilogy. Yeah, it definitely like older films in franchises like this that have been around for so long they just had such different filming standards and such different pacing and story writing standards back then. So you go to watch like an empire strikes back or a, you know, a, a phantom menace or even a, you know, a clone wars and compare it to, you know, something like rogue one that was very carefully planned out. Um, it, it's, it's a very different experience. <laughs> and I, I, um, I wonder I suppose. I, yeah. The thing about rogue one though, is that it, it did have tons of reshoots on it though. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, even but if I, I do agree you know, that the go ahead, even if Rogue One wasn't the comparison, you could, you know, compare it to something like The Force Awakens that, you know, uses some more modern film writing and, and, and uh, you know, film taking. I, I don't know what the word is uh, in methodologies that that just didn't exist back then. So it's like. Sometimes, like you get some hard clips, you get some sun, you know, lens flares or some oh that some kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, know you're saying now, yeah, like matte linings and stuff y- like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and it stands out now. Yeah, I agree. Um, and well, with the with the original trilogy, it, it has physical flaws in that, like like you just said, matte lining, paintings, lens flare issues, stuff like that. I mean, there's there's lens flares in Force Awakens, but they're like J.J. Abrams' signature intentional lens flares, <laughs> where he's like, in A New Hope, you see a lot of accidental lens flares where like the light reflects off C-3PO in like a weird rainbow color and shit yeah. like that. Um, and the prequels have uh, digital issues, I guess you could call it, uh, with the CGI. It is very dated. I... I used to shit on Lucas a lot for that. These days, though, I understand he was really just trying to push the envelope, but I do think he pushed it a step too far. Actually, funny enough, earlier today, I was watching clips of Attack of the Clones to kind of prepare for this. I don't know why my my head went to that one, but, like, when Kenobi arrives on Kamino, fuck, man. Like, uh, it really just looks like Ewan McGregor inside a giant cartoon. And I like cartoons, but, like... Yeah, yeah. real people are inside the cartoons like and, and that's kind of how we were feeling while while we were watching like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man series it's like 
Yeah, they do have some of those technical issues. I like, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely times in both the prequel trilogy of Star Wars and the same Raimi Spider-Man movies where, like, all of a sudden it's such a different film thing and the lighting is weird. Yeah, early dated CGI. Yeah, yeah, like 2000 CGI, yeah. And Um, it very much looks like Tobey Maguire is standing there on a set rather than, like, being in a well-crafted, you know, CGI environment. Yeah. No, yeah, we we have come a long way. Uh, I will say that, but, but you know, we uh, to to be fair to yeah. those older movies, like they they kind of needed to be there to like set the trail. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but I do agree that in some ways they are dated and kind of like overhyped. Like people look back on a lot of old stuff with rose colored glasses. Oh yeah, and I mean to be fair, I don't like killing my darling. So like, I I love the Star Wars series. I still love the Sam Raimi trilogy, but I can still like poke at it a little bit and go, I'm going to go yeah. watch No Way Home again. <laughs> yeah. No, I get you. I get you. Hey, Mark, take us out. I have to think of a properly terrible segue to follow yours. <laughs> we, we, we went from Star Wars to Spider-Man. Uh, no, no. What do you think of John Wayne? <laughs> you know, while we're I like here. the searchers. See, <laughs> there searchers we go. Cool. <laughs> uh, no, uh, but th- this has been enlightening. Uh, whether you're a longtime fan, new fan, laughs fan like myself, oodles of ways to get into Star Wars. And hey, Hopefully we can keep our fingers crossed for Rogue Squadron in 2023 because that will give you time to read all of the books. <laughs> there are, uh, there's apparently 10 in that series now. I was looking it up. They 13 years later, they released a 10th book, which I don't have. I only have the first nine. So Interesting. Uh, I have some catching up to do as well. 2012, they released Mercy Kill, apparently, which I do not possess. So read, read uh, all 10 Rogue Squadron books, X-Wing books, and get ready for the movie next year. But uh, on a more serious note, thank you all for listening. Uh, like us on the podcast app of your choice, a social media platform of your choice. Leave us a review, uh, save us, follow us, do all the things. Uh, helps our numbers up, and that way you always get our episodes as soon as they drop, 8 a.m. every Friday. We're on whatever the hell app you want to be on. We're on like 30 different freaking places. Uh, The big ones, you know, Spotify, Apple, Podbean, List Notes, Amazon, and then a whole shitload of smaller ones. Uh, Coming to you every Friday, as I said. And of course, as always, we want to thank Nuno Henry Silva for our intro and outro music. So thank you, Nuno. You're welcome. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for using my my music. We're going to send you to his SoundCloud. We're going to have the links to his books, plural now, because he's another goddamn overachiever. But we love him anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, DJ, do you remember what the topic for next week is? Not even a little bit. Well, next week, the roles are going to be reversed, and I'm going to talk at you for an hour. Ooh. <laughs> because next week is the start of the playoffs for the great sport of American football. Ooh. And we're going to go through the long and bloody history okay. and how it was almost made illegal by a sitting president. Oh. So get ready for that. We're going to do uh, American football and whiskey next week. Oh, good. I can already hear people immediately tuning out. But I'll make it interesting. <laughs> I promise. It's going to be like our F1 episode, which actually seemed to be pretty popular for whatever fucking reason. Mark, it's going to be like that, but about football. We're going to give people whiplash. We're going from Star Wars to football. Yeah, you went from fucking Star Wars to Spider-Man. I don't <laughs> want to hear it. I mean, at least those are both nerdy things. <laughs> God. 
true. Yeah. So no, we're we're gonna we're gonna try to flip the script on on. We're gonna go from junior high. You know, junior high, I was reading all the Star Wars novels, and then high school, we were doing football. So we're gonna just throw the slip script. Go from eighth grade to ninth grade. Uh, join us for that next week. Pour yourself a big glass. And until then, ladies and gentlemen, salut. Cheers. Peace.